Welcome to NCFM Today, a podcast about family medicine in the Old North State. I'm Perry Price, Manager of Workforce Initiatives at the NCAFP and your host for today's episode. In 2022, the Academy's Workforce Pipeline Committee made a recommendation for Academy staff to develop content for and about mothers and family medicine. As a new mom myself, being afforded the chance to talk to our members about their experiences was rewarding. While the challenges of parenthood are certainly not exclusive to women or mothers, there are certain burdens that are unique to mothers. The topic of maternal health and well-being continues to be an important issue, not only for our childbearing members and their families, but also for how we can better understand and support the needs of our workforce. In the last two issues of the North Carolina Family Physician, we've shared the stories of five of our members. They discuss some of the obstacles to motherhood, as well as the resources and solutions they use to overcome them. In this episode of NCFM Today, you'll get to hear from those members again as we further explore their journeys. I want to thank Dr. Kelly Lawrence, Dr. Jessica Trish, Dr. Jack A. Clement, Dr. Elizabeth Baltero, and Dr. Vicki Fowler for their willingness to share their time and their stories. They're scattered across the different stages of motherhood and career, but they all have children and family medicine in common. Here are North Carolina's mothers in medicine in their own words. Can you each state your names and titles? Uh, Jessica Trish, a family physician at EC Health. So I'm Kelly Lawrence. I'm a family physician. Um, I am the Associate Program Director for the Novant Health Family Medicine Residency Program, and I'm the Assistant Dean for the UNC School of Medicine, Novant Health Charlotte Campus. Vicki Ann Fowler, uh, MD. I'm a family physician and currently live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and work for AwakeMed Primary Care. I'm Dr. Liz Boltaro, and I'm the Women's Health Clinic Medical Director at the Durham VA Healthcare System. My name is Jackie Clement. I am a third-year resident, and I work at the Novant Health Family Medicine Residency Program. How has becoming a parent impacted your practice? Once you have a kid and you see their normal development and how things go, it is much easier to know what's normal, abnormal. And I find the biggest thing is just you just feel comfortable with the parents. I think it makes them feel more comfortable. Um, so I think it helps you relate to your patient and you definitely know more about your pediatric illnesses and kind of what's normal and what should be looked into a little bit more. Through going through pregnancy, I think four different times during different stages of my career, um, I think that I learned a lot more about, about pregnancy related to what I felt worried about, uh, is this normal, is that normal, is this feeling something that I should call the doctor about or not, you know, there are so many questions that go through the mind of a pregnant person that I never would have been able to have an idea about if I hadn't gone through that myself, and it really helped me to, you know, to help patients learn, but to also tell them to let things take their own course. It's not going to be how you plan it. Being able to talk with patients realistically about that, I think, is a skill set that I've gained. I'm in a role where I have particular emphasis on serving women patients, and I think motherhood is a really important part of taking care of um, patients who identify as moms themselves, which most of the women that we care for do, and I feel like is so closely connected with parenthood. So I feel like it shaped, you know, shaped my career tremendously. I would also say too that I think 
you know, I see my patients as um, people that have a lot going on in their lives, and I kind of understand that from a personal aspect too. And so I think it's helped me to kind of let go of my own personal agenda sometimes, all those checkboxes that we have as doctors, like, and really try to connect with people as people. I'm already in the maternal health track, so it was just a bonus for me. I got to talk to women about their symptoms and explain to them what was normal, and they were more likely to believe me because they know I'm going through it too. So it really helps alleviate some of their concerns or worries. And then to be able to see these deliveries, I think, was great for me just to, to prepare my mind for what was going to happen, but then also great for the moms because, you know, they know <laughs> that I'm going to be there soon. So I'm obviously going to try my best to help them. Honestly, having gone through the experience myself, I feel like my medical practice is that much better for it. I no longer am anxious or afraid to see newborns, babies in the clinic because I know now what's normal. I really like being a mom and a physician because I think it brings that extra uh, layer of comfort to my patients and to myself, actually. It's just more comfortable, more enjoyable. And I feel like I'm actually able to give genuine advice and be 100% empathetic with what they're going through. So I, I really like that aspect. What happened as I've gone through my career is with each subsequent child, I've had I've made adjustments. <laughs> uh, my first child was born a month after I started practice, and initially that was okay. I actually I made the decision not to start taking call um, until after I returned from maternity leave. What I could take off my plate so that I had more room for my family with the third child, uh, I actually uh, stopped doing obstetrics. So I would say that was the biggest change. Um, and I basically had told myself um, I was continuing to do full spectrum family medicine, inpatient, outpatient, and OB, but I always said, I don't think this is viable after I have my third child. Isn't there something special about family medicine as mothers? I learned then that I wanted to be a physician, specifically a family physician who could work with a mother and a baby. There is there is kind of a subfield of, of medicine, and I would say specifically a family medicine, that's breastfeeding medicine where you care for the both parts of the lactating dyad, as I say, the dyad being the mother and the baby. The lactating breast doesn't belong to the breast surgeon doesn't belong to the pediatrician. It doesn't belong to the OB. Nobody takes ownership. So I'm kind of on my, you know, on my little crusade to, uh, to have family medicine own the lactating breast. I've always made that clear to patients that I'm not an OB. I'm a family medicine physician who is interested in OB training and OB. So I think there's work to be done for family medicine to just remind people that we we do OB um, and that we can see their children afterwards as well. I mean, I will recall, I recall them being happy about that. Like, oh, wait, you could see me and my child in the clinic. It's like, yes, of course. And I'll see you for lactation and we'll see you for baby OMT. Like our, our residency is great. We will literally take care of every part of you and your family. Obviously I'm biased, but at the same time, it's like, why wouldn't you want to go to one place? Like the families who are aware of it, they schedule for an entire morning. It'll be mom 
and then dad, and then there are two kids, you know, and it's just like back to back, back to back. You know, family medicine physicians have such an opportunity to take care of people at every age and stage. And so we really need to embrace that. I mean, I moved back to my hometown because my mom was four miles up the road. Um, You know, I was getting ready to have my first child. So really location, location, location. Um, I moved close to my family. Uh, So that was another really major uh, opportunity I had. I was lucky enough to be in family medicine and be able to go back to my rural community and serve them and also have my family there. So that was a big decision, totally driven at the time by the fact that I was getting ready to have a child. I actually made the decision to stop practicing inpatient medicine, um, and I did not continue in my academic position because I basically decided I wanted an 8-to-5 job uh, so I could be home in the evenings, available on the weekends, and be there for more of my kids' activities. I I, I say this over and over. Everybody's going to get tired of hearing me say it. But in family medicine, unlike so many other specialties, We can mold and model our practice in and around the needs that change throughout our lifetime. What would you say to your fellow mothers in medicine? I could have taken as much leave, I guess, as allowed federally. (laughs) But we as parents get this pressure to go back, not by anyone, but internal pressure. Um, I took the minimum I think it was four weeks off. But I will say this to anyone listening, in hindsight, I wish I'd taken the full time because you don't get that time back. I mean, I think it's important to not worry about your colleagues or your patients or others um, in the grand scheme of things. Everyone does understand. Maybe you don't realize that in the moment. Um, And actually, um, yeah, just someone who's told me this morning, you don't get those, you don't get time back with your kids. So it's better to spend as much time as you can early on. People do understand as you get further in your career and are attending and have more responsibilities and have your patients that you've known for 13 years, you get this guilt. Um, but we know we shouldn't be guilty. I mean, we're parents and our kids need it because what you do is you're, you're caring for a patient and just your, your family. The biggest thing I say is what I said earlier is you know, think about you and your family first. Um, training doesn't stop. You will get your training. I'm going to go back a little ways to when I was interviewing for residency. I'm a pretty honest, transparent person. <laughs> and I felt like it would be unfair at that time for me to know that I wanted to have children in residency and not investigate what that would look like for my for my classmates or for the program. So I asked the program directors at my favorite program, like, you know, I'd like to have a kid. Tell me about your maternity leave. And I do encourage people now to say, hey, you know, know what you want to do with your life and, and feel brave about asking tough questions because you want people to take you for who you are and who you hope to be during residency. I mean, I think the basic thing I would recommend is just making sure that you find a way to connect with yourself and stay true to yourself and do something for yourself, which I think is really hard when you become a full-time caregiver. You can even start that before you become a parent, you know, just finding ways to connect with yourself and stay true when life is really busy and there's very little time for that. One example of a really simple practice that I like to do that 
takes, you know, very little time is that I have a basket on my desk where I have words that have meaning to me. I just, you know, cut them on out of cardstock and put them in there and I shuffle them up. And when something happens and I just need a little reminder of an affirmation, um, I will pick one out and just set it on my desk so I can take a look at it. That's been really helpful for me as a practice. I mean, I think there's a lot of different things you can do sometimes like when it's hard to check any of the boxes that I did good self care. I feel like that's an easy one that I can do that takes, you know, just one second that I set up for myself. So um, I like that. I mean, I think it, it's very individualized what works for people. My advice to residents who are considering starting a family while they're in training is to really consider the impact it'll have on the course of your education um, and just do that that pro and con list to see, you know, how will your life benefit from having that child and how will your life potentially change from having the child? And if you decide to have a baby in residency, figuring out the timing of it so such that it works for you in the program. I would say this, a, a very good friend and colleague uh, gave me some of the best advice I was ever given. Instead of apologizing, to someone or to an organization or to a coworker or to a patient, reflect back to them the reason you're doing this, the joy and love you have for your family or for yourself. And generally, if they are a normal human, they will appreciate that and they will become supportive. Women in medicine um, will often sacrifice their own well-being, you know, and, and we all do. Um, you know, skipping lunch, skipping dinner, um, you know, have an event you want to go to um, and feeling as if you shouldn't for the care of your patients. Give yourself permission and, and to do those things that you are doing and your coworkers and your colleagues and your, and your patients, are, they're probably going to understand. If you can make it happen, make it happen. Don't be a martyr. That's the take-home message. Do not be a martyr. What would you recommend for better leave policies? There really was no leave at the time when I was coming through, and it wasn't that long ago. Um, and then in residency as well, where um, your leave was however many days of vacation you had. You know? um, and I felt, I came through feeling like I didn't belong in medicine. And was told by a couple of people, well, you have to choose between being a mom and a doctor. And I didn't really want to believe that. I felt like we needed to make a medical community where being, you know, biologically a parent who bears children, a mother, um, but that where we could do that and still do what we trained to do. From my start, we were building the rotations, we were building the policies, building how we engaged with the community and with the hospital, but also in that we began to think about what our leave policies would be. And those have changed, but from the start, we really wanted to allow people to be parents, regardless of gender. So, so we made a parental leave policy at first. And I think others who experience being a parent as a trainee develop unique skills within medicine. And so it's not so much a leave. You're not on vacation. It's a learning activity, right? So, so we didn't change then within the past few years, the name of our 
you know, family leave or parental leave policy to our family learning plan because you're learning about family when you go through these changes. So, so it's been it's been something in the works, but we're able to give a good kind of twelve weeks away or less if desired. You don't have to do that, but we're able to give that to our residents with a slow transition back built into there where they're seeing patients for continuity one time a week um, for the four weeks leading back to their full return. So we try to do that more thoroughly with our policies to be able to support parenting. Each of these things that I'm referencing, whether it's pregnancy or lactation, it's a season of life, right? And I'm not in any of those seasons now. And, and I can start to make changes for people who are in those seasons. But it's really hard to advocate for yourself when you're in the midst of it. So I like to think I'm the person on the other end of it trying to make it better. And I think in general, um, all employers everywhere need to recognize that caregivers are a special population with special needs. And, you know, a lot of those do fall to mothers. I think up to now, we haven't really emphasized special circumstances for people in the caregiving role. Some employers do, but I think it is still, you know, it still could use a lot of room to grow and change. And I would really like to see caregivers in general being more supported in our society because that work is so important and, in my opinion, still very undervalued. Paid leave, childcare subsidies, those are big ones that come to mind, or, or you know, caregiving subsidies, um, childcare, more like help with actual childcare, finding it, um, having it on sites would be helpful or close by would be helpful. You know, FMLA from a federal perspective, um, being someone who had multiples, like I would really like to see that change so that it's recognized that you may have, you know, double FMLA or extended FMLA if you have more than one individual who you're caring for. FMLA is pretty standardized and there is no room for, you know, if you have triplets or um, multiples, you basically have the same um, time off as other parents do, which to me always felt unfair because I didn't pick to have twins. And obviously, you know, if I'd had them separately, I would have had two separate periods of time off and having twins increases as, you know, as it did in my case prenatal complications, my babies are both in the NICU, and so it just minimizes the amount of time that you have at home with them. I was able to talk to Dr. Lawrence during the interview session, and she let me know that they were working on a new program where you'd have four weeks of dedicated maternity leave, followed by two months of just slowly being integrated back into full-time, uh, your full-time schedule. And so... It was actually quite flexible. Arranging the schedule took like two to three meetings, or I think two to three meetings. And then it took not only Dr. Lawrence, but the chief residents and then one or two other residents who needed to switch schedules with me. So it definitely was a team approach. Like everyone had to be on board and they weren't necessarily told right away why they were switching. It was just, hey, uh, Jack Hay has a medical reason that she needs to switch this rotation. Can you switch for her? You know, so... Um, it definitely took a lot of hands on deck to rearrange my schedule. I really hope, I sincerely hope that residency programs will consider adopting, you know, a maternity or a paternity leave policy like the one we have here because it has made it so possible that you can have that family and have a career. So it's great. And I say go ask other residents 
how do how does your organization or your training program feel about maternity and paternity leave you know if you're getting kind of funny faces then maybe that's not the program for you but it's important you ask have any residents had children during residency because if you're interviewing at a program that they've never had a pregnant resident that's a big red flag (laughs) Um, but yeah i do do, i do try to discuss it you know the funny part is so many women in medicine don't reach out to one another and provide um, the kind of support and guidance we should be so i think this this kind of work, having a podcast, having an article that addresses it, bringing women together, helping women hear from other women in medicine. I have found that to be incredibly useful um, to you know hear from my colleagues and my friends. How did you handle this? Uh, because this is a changing you know landscape and new things will come up. One thought I would say is as we go towards value-based health care, team-based care, um, I think it really would help women tremendously be able to support their family, uh, be there for their children, because I would hope we're going to get away from the model of eight to five every 15-minute visit. You're cranking in, cranking out. As we as we try to manage populations and manage our patients as a team, uh, I feel like that is going to open up more opportunities for women to um, be just as productive and just as um, hopefully reimbursed. I, I still am frustrated. I think there's definitely a pay gap. I would hope that we would have more women in leadership. Uh, we definitely in the last 30 years have increased women in leadership roles in family medicine. Um, and I just hope to continue to see that grow. And I, I feel like all women in medicine should support one another and uh, reach out to our colleagues, maybe in other fields and, and provide that support. Making sure men are, you know, as knowledgeable as they need to be. Often I think it's just lack of thinking. Um, you know, most men who are in medicine, once they kind of understand the issue and the question uh, and how it affects you, um, I think that that helps open up, uh, having a conversation help, uh, helps open up support that we didn't know we had. Can you tell me more about breastfeeding and pumping as mothers and as doctors? You need to make sure you have time in your clinic, a lot of time to pump. And you need to make sure, if that's what you choose to do, um, and you need to make sure you're not rushed because, you know, if you're skipping those feeds, then your supply dries up and then you're not breastfeeding. But I think that would be something that should be talked about for, because it's something that affects your clinic. I, I think it would be important to have a discussion and to be pretty assertive about how important it is um, to continue to breastfeed if that's what you choose to do. It's something that should be respected because it is something that is done and it you know, helps life. It helps your child develop. You are legally required to be given time, paid time, and private space. So one thing I didn't list in my titles is that I'm currently one of the AAFP chairs for the Breastfeeding Medicine Member Interest Group. Um, so I learned with my first child, and this was right before my third year of med school, that breastfeeding is natural and not easy, not not easy for everybody. And for some people it is. And I also learned that no physician who came into my room at the hospital where I delivered knew really anything about breastfeeding, except to say that it was good and I should do it. 
but it wasn't easy. You know, thanks to my stick to and my mother's a little bit of help that she knew to give, we were able to do that, but not without a lot of tears and sweat and worry. So I've worked here in, in Vivant specifically within the Cornelius Huntersville and, and now Charlotte to try to make sure that the young mothers I work with have a place to visit their baby, pump, um, make a call home, whatever they need. So we have a breastfeeding room in our clinic. That's for patients, but it's also for our pumping young mothers if needed. We're building another room over the coming year. And then in Charlotte, in the new med school space, we've built in a lactation room so that if we have medical students who are lactating as I was in my third year of training, they won't have to sit on the bathroom floor like I did. We've built in an ability to support them, I think. And we've talked about this a lot, allowing women to pump during the day when they're breastfeeding. The horrors that I will tell you about my experience with uh, pumping, um, no one wants to hear the horrors of me in 1999 and 2000, uh, holding a breast pump, standing up in a bathroom the size of a telephone booth uh, and only getting to do it once a day. The only time I could pump was at lunch um, and it was standing up during my lunch hour. So that's crazy. Uh, that does not <laughs> that does not help maintain milk supply. Um, so having built-in blocks in people's schedules, they go pump. And there's a lot of discussion around that. But that's that's been done in many places. There's no reason people can't do that. Uh, and that's the best way to support the health of the mom and the baby. As long as you want to breastfeed your child, you should be allowed to breastfeed your child. <laughs> uh, and your workplace should support that. Thanks again for tuning in to this month's episode of NCFM Today. You've been listening to North Carolina's Mothers in Medicine, and we'd once again like to thank the family physicians who joined us. Dr. Kelly Lawrence, Dr. Jessica Trish, Dr. Jack A. Clement, Dr. Elizabeth Baltero, and Dr. Vicki Fowler. You can find NCFM Today on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to your favorite shows. If you like hearing from our members, make sure to like and subscribe. You can also find NCFM Today at www.ncafp.com along with the membership, education, advocacy, and workforce resources that serve family medicine in the Old North State. Until next month, this is the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians. Mm-hmm.